The material shared within this podcast is based on the personal experiences and learnings of the presenter. Coloplast has paid the presenter for sharing this information. Nothing within this podcast is intended to be used as medical advice and or used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Coloplast Professional Bowel and Bladder Matters Podcast, where we explore various important topics related to ostomies and continence. I am your host, Nina Willen. I am a certified wound ostomy continence nurse and clinical consultant with Coloplast. Today's podcast guest is Janet Stoy Davis. Janet has 34 years experience in wound ostomy continence nursing and has been certified as a WOC nurse since 1985. In 1996, she began a private wound ostomy continence practice, first as a partnership and presently as sole proprietor, practicing across the continuum with a focus on ostomy care and a passion for patients attaining their desirable quality of life. Janet runs three outpatient ostomy clinics serving different populations. She lectures nationally and internationally, has co-authored both a home study course and an educational video, as well as published on the quality of life of people living with an ostomy. Janet also participates in ostomy and incontinence-associated dermatitis research. I am here today with Janet Stoa Davis to talk about being an independent consultant in private practice as a WOC nurse. Very excited to talk to you about this today. Thank you for having me. So how would you define your role as an independent consultant? Probably as maybe like a helper if I had to have anything to say. I think a lot of us in WOC world do some side contracting, subcontracting, contracted services on the side of our regular job. Being an independent consultant is, the way I define it, is a private practice. I'm a sole proprietor. I am Mm -hmm. self-employed. I think that you are looked at a little bit differently when you go into a facility. I'm not there all the time because I go to multiple places. I'm looked at as a resource to them and a helping hand. I like it because I don't have to be the disciplinarian, not managerial, nothing like that. I get to go in and help the nurses to care for patients and give them information. So I'm kind of a teacher um, to staff and nurses and uh, patients. Yeah. I'm a resource, I'm a hands-on, so I get to still do hands-on with patients. I, so it's, it's, a, it, it's a good fit for me, and being independent, I often tell people I can go into a place and see the problems, but I don't have to deal with them every day. <laughs> but on the other hand, you also do a lot of backstepping because, you know, they're always right. It's like when you sometimes you have to go in and you say, well, I don't know if you've seen this or I don't know if you know this. Mm -hmm. And so it's a different role, but you also are more comprehensive. Like when you see a patient, whether it's wound or ostomy, I don't just do an assessment. I actually, especially with wounds, I might talk about why I'm doing something. So I'm teaching actually in my documentation. Um, like maybe venous, a venous patient, you're going to talk about um, compression and the long-term compression that they need, even if you're not using that in the hospital. You know, with ostomy, I might anticipate that I'm going to get some problem 
that I can foresee. So I want to make sure that I'm communicating that to the other providers. Mm -hmm. So it's a more of a comprehensive note because I'm not there 24-7 or every, or every day of the week. So okay. it's a little bit different role, I think, as a, a resource teacher as well as the hands-on portion. Okay. How did you get your start as an independent consultant? Uh, well, actually, I didn't have to market. I was actually approached by, I subcontracted or contracted mm -hmm. um, a few years earlier with um, a home killer agency. And the administrator actually moved over to a big county hospital system and called me and asked if I would contract with her. So I actually did, and it was for wound anostomy. And a lot of my contracts initially was wound, but I think with the changes in CMS and happies and wound care in general over the years, people need a full-time wound person. I've actually, a lot of my contracts, I often told them, you need to hire someone full-time, but the wound care clinicians are not always ostomy experts right. as well. So often I would give up the wound part and keep the ostomy fistula, and which was fine for me because that's really my passion anyway. So, so I actually got approached and then it was all word of mouth. I've never had to advertise for my services because there aren't many of us out there. So if you look at a hospital that needs the services, but they don't really need a full time because maybe they're a small facility or they don't want to hire, or they can't find a WSAN, you know, that that's kind of a hard, we're not like busting the seams and everyone's right. <laughs> looking for uh, jobs and stuff. We can easily find a job because they're always looking for WSAN. So sometimes that helps. And so people will call me and say, hey, can you help us out? And then that kind of merges into a contract. So if, if I'm not approached um, by a facility or, or a um, provider, how could I market my services? if I was looking at independent consulting. Yeah, and many people ask me that, and I think there, you really have to look at who's your client going to be. Um, in West Coast, we have a lot of HMOs. They will hire someone like me or contract with someone like me easier than where there's a fee-for-service, like on the East Coast, where I was originally from the East Coast, and I know they still have a lot of fee-for-service or primary Medicare, let's say. So... I think the HMO market is a little bit easier because usually they're assuming the risk for the ostomy supplies, meaning that they are provide they have to pay for the ostomy supplies. Mm -hmm. So actually, if I got paid what I saved them in ostomy supplies by using the correct supply, I'd probably make more than I do as a consultant. Mm -hmm. So I'm saving them money. So you have to really look at who your client is, and usually it's the person with the hand in the pocket who's controlling the money that's what you have to go to because it's not often a revenue producing service but you're giving quality care you're increasing patient satisfaction so I tell people to look at and there's a lot of resources out there WCNCB our certification board has some good resources with data showing the outcomes that we can produce as WC nurses I think patient satisfaction is a big thing for a lot of places now um, not only acute care, but down the line in the mm -hmm. continued care. So if patient satisfaction can go up with use of our services, that's a plus. Um, decreasing ER and hospital admissions. And again, if they're paying for that hospital or ED admission or some of the care or the products that come with that, then they're more likely to hire you. So again, you have to kind of um, plead your case mm -hmm. according to who you're, you're targeting. Okay. Great. Home care is actually a very difficult one because prospective payment came when that came in and they weren't paid fee for service like per visit. 
they're actually paid in a lump sum. So again, it's a little bit more difficult for them to part with some money for you. So they're less likely to use you except in a crisis. So what would you say is the most, I think you've gleaned um, or referenced some of them, but what are some of the most challenging aspects of this role? Not having total control of an ostomy department or wound care department, I think, you know, coming in and out. So you're not there all the time. So that's a good thing in some ways, but sometimes you lose a little bit of control or follow through. Over time, you gain some of that back but because they get to know you. Mm-hmm. But again, you're not on their staff. You're a, a contractor. You're self-employed. I think time is um, a challenge. How do you juggle if you're this place wants you and this place wants you all at the same time? You have to have good time management skills and triage ability. You know, I do a lot of things on the phone. Can I see this person tomorrow, this afternoon, and not this morning? And who do I need to go? And how do I, geographically, on my contracts, how do I make it feasible for me? I can't be running, you know, 20 miles this way and then 20 miles that way and then 20 miles back. So, again, juggling your time um, is is kind of challenging sometimes. And then follow-up, depending on what your contract says. Are you limited to that? Do you need to get authorization um, some places I have to get authorization for every visit. In other places, um, carte blanche, I can, I can do what's needed for the patient. But I also, I think, I preface that when I sign a contract and talk to whoever uh, I'm negotiating the contract with, telling them that, you know, I don't abuse that. I'm here to save you money and to, and to make money. So it's, I have your best interest at heart as well. And I kind of tell them different ways that I can show them that um, I that I'm cost effective, I'm budget minded, I'm frugal. You know, I don't abuse that role of a carte blanche kind of mm-hmm. um, contract. So again, it's the reputation that you elicit and and I've been around in my area a long time, so I I am very protective of my reputation mm-hmm. because I need that in order to stay in business. So there, you know, and challenges are, of course, I can't live on a, I can't live paycheck to paycheck. You know, sometimes you don't get paid and you don't get paid promptly and you have to, you have to be a bill collector as well as a biller, you know. So if you're, if you need a paycheck for sure um, on a timely manner and you, or you stress about certain things, then then it might not be an option for you. So those are the challenges. Okay. And then how about the benefits? Oh, I think there's a lot of benefits. To me, I like, I like change. I like diversity. Um, I don't like the norm. So for me, it works really well. Um, I can concentrate on what I like to do. If I was at, um, I gave an example one time when I was lecturing about this, where the facility, if I was an employee they would have had me doing different things and wearing many hats. And the people that I would have to wear that were coming in doing some of the wound care there, I didn't agree with the way they did wound care, the philosophy behind it. And so we gave them, it was our reputation again to protect. And at that time I was a partnership and we gave them 30 day notice per contract and said, you know, we were going, we were giving them notice, but we'd be happy to do an ostomy fistula contract if they want. And, of course, they waited till two days after the 30 days. And then, of course, you know, calling us up desperate. <laughs> and we actually did do an ostomy fistula contract with them. But that's the benefit of that. I didn't have to stay put in that role that I didn't want. 
I can choose where I want to be and what I want to do. So, uh, you know, and the downside I didn't mention is that you have no benefits, you have no paid time off, you have no help with mm-hmm. conferences and things like that. So you have to you have to look at that too. And again, it's not for everybody, but to me, the benefits outweigh that because I have flexibility, versatility, and I can concentrate on my patients. So to me, it's it's well worth it. And concentrating on my patients means ultimately I'm improving their quality of life, which is actually my whole goal in doing what I do and makes me passionate about what I do. Beautiful. So if someone is interested in independent consulting, how much and what type of experience do you recommend prior to pursuing this area? I think you have to feel really comfortable in your role. I know that when we first graduate as a WOC nurse, it gives us a foundation, but it's really our experience that really helps us develop that role and develop our expertise. So I think, you know, I can't really put a number on that, I don't think, but I think that someone has to feel confident in their ability to making decisions. And they also have to have the ability to negotiate for for both their patients and their business. So I think all of that comes probably once you feel confident as a WOC nurse um, without the structure around you. So I think it's a really individual, individual thing. Okay. How would someone determine how to bill for their services? Kind of depends on your, if your advanced practice, of course, that's a whole other realm and WCN has some really good resources for that. If you're going to bill Medicare. I also know some advanced practices, nurses that really don't want to deal with billing Medicare and that whole realm of, you know, appealing and, figuring all of that out, or maybe they just get a billing service. A lot of those people work for organizations that do that for them. But if you're going to be independent, um, you would have to do that billing. Now, I'm not advanced practice, so billing to me varies. If it's a medical group, since I don't bill and I can't bill Medicare directly, I bill medical groups because they're employing me to help with their patients and the cost. Again, looking at are they assuming the risk or what are they, what, how am I saving them money? So I bill them for services. And sometimes I bill per patient visit and sometimes I bill by the hour. Sometimes I'll give a contract when I'm negotiating a contract, I give them options. And I also give them options of I bill for when I see that patient. And then if I have phone call, because I manage my patients. I don't always just see them once. I'm managing their ostomy management overall, meaning their supplies and their aughts and their, you know, talking to the doctors or whatever. And they have my cell phone. And so they text and they call. So if I'm managing that way, I'm going to have a higher cost of, a visit to cover that, or I have a normal cost of the visit, and then I have to bill like a lawyer does per minute. Thank goodness none of my contracts actually opt for that choice, but I always give them that choice. Um, But it's much easier just to incorporate that. So again, depending on who you're talking to and how you bill, um, a lot of them I still have to fill out the forms and know the codes that advanced practice nurse does because they use it for statistical um, data but I don't actually use that for to bill a insurance company. Now, some insurance companies will actually authorize visits on an individual basis. So we have a letter of agreement or something like that, and then in that contract, 
again, I incorporate, am I going to have to work really hard to get it off and to do all the communication plus see the patient? So again, you're, you're looking at what your cost is and what it entails and who you're billing. So it's, it's kind of a, it's not complicated. It's just very varied. Mm -hmm. So you have to have different options depending on who you're talking to. Have you had people reach out to you for help? and advice in this sort of thing yes. as they're looking at independent um, yeah. consulting? Yeah, I do. And, and I'm more than happy to talk to anybody that is toying with the idea and kind of discuss the pros and cons and tell them what I did and, you know, what might work. And just like I said, I don't market for my services, but I've helped people develop a plan, you know, well, not develop a plan. I'm giving them information of how to develop a plan yeah. to how to market themselves with, again, cost, effectiveness, patient satisfaction, those kind of things. So I'm more than willing to help anybody if I can share. I, I'm a firm believer if I have knowledge and don't share it, what good is it? So yeah. I'd be happy to talk to anybody. That's awesome. Do you have a website for your business? No. Okay. Well, I had one, but it's kind of it's kind of on hold. Okay. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> no, better just email or call me. Yeah. All right. Great. Um, so in closing, this has been so interesting. Thank you. Um, what would be the first step that you would recommend for someone considering becoming an independent consultant? To really look at the pros and cons and see if it's for them. Okay. And again, a little bit of what I talked about their time. What are they really looking for as being an independent contractor? Um, they have to really look at what do they want out of that business and does that fit their lifestyle? Um, I started as a partnership. I had a wonderful partner um, and we were kind of in the same area of life. We both had young children. We both understood that. We had the same philosophy about things. I know a lot of partnerships that don't um, because of varied practices, varied times in life. For me, it was a wonderful thing. Um, my partner, uh, my partner, Marsha Gay, she was, we worked well together. Mm -hmm. I think that you should consider a partnership if you want it for time and for coverage so that you can have time off. If you don't have that partnership, because again, it's, it's a big step and a big risk for having a partner. But if not, you have to look at your time off and how are you going to cover your contracts. You have to look at, can you, can you live with paychecks maybe being delayed mm -hmm. and and can you act independently and can you say sorry more than you say? <laughs> you can't blame people you're you know you're a client they're your clients and you're as well as you're their clients so it's kind of a mutual thing so you have to have that little entrepreneur spirit but you have to be willing to give and take so i think listing every pros and cons and then talking to people that are in private practice uh, call me, call someone in your area. That is, maybe we both, Marsha and I both did a half-time. We had our jobs, we went to half-time on our jobs, and within a year, we were both full-time business. Um, but we started off half-time to see, do we like it? We don't. We kept our foot in the door where we were at in case it didn't work, um, and did it fit our lifestyle. So I think really, you have to really do some soul-searching mm -hmm. Um, in order to do it and really just talk to a lot of people uh, before you do it. Such great information. Thank you so much, Janet. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Bowel and Bladder Matters podcast, part of Coloplast Professional, where we believe clinician education related to ostomies and continence matters. For more educational resources from Coloplast, 
visit us at coloplast.us/professional. 